Yo, MuggleCast listeners, I have a deal for you. Get reliable, secure web hosting without the long-term contract. GoDaddy's hosting plans are bigger and better than ever, with 99% uptime, free 24-7 support, and no annual commitment. Best of all, plans start at $3.99 a month. Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code HARRY, that's H-A-R-R-Y, when you check out, and save an additional $5 off of any order of $30 or more. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because we finally have a podcaster from Australia this week, this is MuggleCast episode 74 for January 28th, 2007. Welcome back to MuggleCast. I'm Rubius Hagrid, Keeper of Games and Keys at Hogwarts. Oh, boy. <laughs> Did we get a lot of feedback about that last yeah. week? And 50 other reasons not to listen to MuggleCast. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm Ben Shane, by the way. I was doing the wonderful Hagrid impression. I'm sorry, okay? I didn't mean to offend anybody. It was just, it was in good fun. I had done the joke before. I wasn't making fun of Robbie Coltrane's weight by saying that there's, there's Burger King and Dairy Queen and all these places on set. I wasn't trying to make fun of a British accent. I was just having a good time. I think what upset uh, most people who did complain, we I think we got good more good feedback than we did bad, to be completely honest with you. Really? But, yeah, I really think so. What most people were upset about was that we hyped it up a week beforehand. Uh, so we won't be doing that again for <laughs> things yeah. such as uh, Ruby and Sacred interview. But Although we did cut down on some hyping that we had planned. Well, we so. needed. I thought we tried to make it really obvious. If you go back and listen to that show, when we said that this is a huge interview, the biggest person to ever be on a Harry Potter podcast. Yeah, it was very podcast. sarcastic. Yeah. 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 yeah, so, yeah. so we're sorry. <laughs> so, we're sorry yeah. if, we, if you got punked. We're sorry for then, punking you. Now that we got that out of the way, though... Uh, Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of MuggleCast. we got a great show for everyone, more uh, J.K. Rowling quotes to discuss, and also a little discussion on death. It's going to be a little sad. But I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck. I am Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. Mike Atan, the MuggleCast anchor newsman, is standing by in the MuggleCast News Center with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Micah. A few months ago, Dan Radcliffe and Warwick Davis's guest appearance on the British television series Extra ran on UK TV. HBO will be airing this episode for the first time in the United States tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. And we previously informed you that 2006 was Britain's best recorded year for filming, with a total of £840 million being spent. However, new figures suggest little of this is being used in Scotland. Although Harry Potter is predominantly set in Scotland, only small portions of the film are actually shot there. Just $100,000 of Order of the Phoenix's $150 million budget 
were used. Two pallets containing 3,000 copies of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Quidditch Through the Ages have been stolen. The books, which were due to be recycled, were taken from the recycling company at Port Talbot's docks in the UK. The Guardian on Saturday wrote about the obstacles faced by Harry Potter translators such as the invented words, prophecies, rhymes, and general wordplay. The article also notes translators come under pressure in countries where the quality of second language English is high, causing many to buy the original version instead. The BBC has announced that they will be launching a new reality series later this year in search of a real Harry Potter. The show will follow young students studying magic at a boarding school as they face off, showing their skills at varying card tricks and illusions. Someone will leave the show each week until only one remains and becomes the Sorcerer's Apprentice. That is Laura Mallory's biggest nightmare. And speaking of Laura Mallory... For the first time since she embarked on a relentless campaign to remove Potter from Gwinnett County School Libraries in August of 2005, Laura Mallory has spoken out in detail about her motives. In a new article found in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, she slams myths such as this is a one-woman fight and witchcraft is just harmless fantasy. She writes that young children have been indoctrinated into witchcraft, causing their lives to be ruined. In response to the question, do you believe Harry Potter promotes Wicca? JKR replied back in a 2001 interview with this. She says, That's not true. Not once has a child come up to me and said, Due to you, I've decided to devote my life to the occult. People underestimate children so hugely. They know it's fiction. When people are arguing from that kind of standpoint, I don't think reason works tremendously well. But I would be surprised if some of them hadn't read the books at all. What a coincidence. Laura Mallory hasn't read the books. Joe went on to say witches and wizards are a huge part of children's literature. It'll never go away. 100 years, 200 years time, there'll be another kind of wizard story. And if you've got something to say, you can now contact Mrs. Mallory at her website, the link provided on MuggleNet.com. That's all the news for this January 28, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Okay, thank you, Micah. Yep. Eric, you are podcasting this week from a uh, new location. You might yes. be the first podcast from Sunday. He's podcasting from Sunday. <laughs> from Sunday, yeah. From the future. Podcasting from the future, yeah. From, from the near future, actually, yes. Uh, Eric, where are you? I am in New Zealand. Ooh. Ooh. You're going to be studying in England, or <laughs> New Zealand. For New Zealand, <laughs> yes. Well, it's it's kind of close. New Zealand's a Commonwealth country, which means... How, how long are you going to be there? Well... Uh, probably. I mean, like grand total, not just. Yeah, I would say I would say for the Bachelor of Arts, which I'm going for at Victoria University here in uh, the capital city of New Zealand, Wellington, three years Bachelor of Arts. Yeah, three years. Now everyone can stalk you. Three years. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's true. They can uh, go on to vuw.ac.nz and you know see where I'm going. Now, is this like a? uh, Is this a uh, public university? It's yeah, it's public. Now, are degrees international? If you get a bachelor yeah. of arts there, is it yeah, going to apply in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's for um, there are there are like there, are, I guess under ten universities in in New Zealand for you know tertiary education, which is like colleges, you know, unis, and this is a very large one. They get international students from a lot of Asia actually and America and stuff. So it's actually a big school. Um, very international, very cool. Uh, I like it a lot. It's very beautiful, too. So how far ahead in time are you, time zone-wise? Was it, like, 18 hours? 18 hours? Yeah, I think... So. Yeah, right now it's 18 hours. It might switch, go from back to 17. Coast, anyway. Yeah, from the East Coast, if you subtract 
what, six hours, and then add a day from Eastern Standard Time. That's what time it is in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Very, in, very in, cool. So yeah, it's 9 a.m. there. It's 3.30 here. That's well, correct. It's 9.30 there. So. It's 9.30, yeah. Well, good morning to you. Top good of the morning yeah. to you. Oh, well, thank you, Andrew. Anyway, I won't talk about it any, anymore. I know we got a show to get to, but I did want to mention one thing that I find cool that it's a trend. I just want to start Americans doing. So, like, when I come back in three years for good, I uh, people do it everywhere. Um, when you give... Uh, when they give a web address here, right, they have the, uh, you, you know, web addresses, typically the URL begins with www. Well, actually here, if they're giving a web address, they just say dub dub dub. That's what I always say. So, you know, if we promote MuggleNet MuggleCast, we should say dub 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 dot MuggleNet.com. And that sounds so much cooler, I think, than saying no, www. cubed. Yeah, or or well, okay. What I'm saying is, there's a range. There's a whole range, and it's it's inspired me to 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 give web addresses differently. So I don't know. Maybe maybe people find that cool. People at I home. say dub 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 sometimes. Actually, no, you don't. Really? Yeah, I do. Not to you. I, I have. I used to. I think. <laughs> but yeah, it, it <laughs> is anyway, common. Move. It is common practice, and they have the letter W. But you know, when they're giving it a web address, it's it's it makes it cooler and faster. So thought I'd mention that. Neato. Thanks for that. Yeah. You know what's interesting though? We actually got an email this week asking for somebody to be on our show. That podcast from Australia since. I know there's a lot of listeners out there, so we're glad we could accommodate you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yes, you sent me here. You paid for my college just to uh, please the Australians. The fans, yeah. Uh, no, but I, uh, people at home, do not worry. People in America, I am coming to prophecy and stuff. Oh, so none sure. of that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys was... Uh, I'm freaking well, too. No, I'll still be doing that. And if there's a Book 7 release in the next three years, which is... Imminent. You know, maybe possible. Uh, then we'll be, what, what are we doing then? In England? Book release? We, 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 we haven't decided say, yet. Yeah. <laughs> a few years ago, Jamie Emerson and I said we'd do one in England. So Well, I know. Well, well, since, uh, <laughs> since what you said three years ago, you know, was finding. But anyway. All right, yeah, guys. You know, speaking of England, uh, I accidentally insulted, without meaning to, insulted uh, England and Canada last week. I said something about those countries. You insulted countries. them. <laughs> I did. I, I said um, that they were stupid countries, but what I forgot to keep in was the part where I was saying I was just kidding. And I really was. I did not mean anything by it. So anyone who was offended by that week, by that last week, I uh, wholeheartedly apologize. We're I really just dumb don't Americans. think they're stupid countries. We're just and dumb don't Americans. Take, yeah, and I'm sarcastic all the time. Don't take anything that I say seriously. We'd like to remind everyone that we are going to be at Prophecy. Full podcast details haven't been worked out yet, but we'll get you guys those as soon as possible. It'll probably be released in the form of a leaky mug. And also, there's the Decade of Enchantment Ball, and we wanted to remind everyone that tickets are sold out. However, um, on the website and to us, they said that they are looking into selling uh, more tickets at a later date. So if you were hoping to go to the Yule Ball and you haven't signed up for Prophecy yet... Your dreams aren't dead yet. Yeah. Kevin actually uh, missed out. He registered a little too late. So (laughs) we're going to try to get him in if he wants to. I'll I'll break it. So folks, Kevin Stack Stack is looking for a date, so... Mm. Yes, he is. Yeah, you're bringing uh, Andrew, right, Ben? <laughs> yeah, Actually, no, um, I heard that you and Jamie and and Ben were going in a threesome. That's my plan. I hope yeah. I hope 
There's other two still sticking with it. Yeah. And you didn't find a date yet, right? Dude, I have so many fangirls, man. They just flock all over me. They just flock yeah. all over me. Also, hey. in Lightning 2007, Ben, Jamie, Mike, and I will be there uh, mid-July. Actually, the date, uh, the release date of the Order of the Phoenix film will be there doing a live podcast. I was actually there yesterday meeting with Vicky, uh, who's running in Lightning 2007. And it's actually pretty cool, the place we're going to be doing the podcast from. It's like this theater-style, uh, old... Um, it looks like an old theater, old style theater. It's actually really cool. And also the place uh, where they're having the great feast is actually, it looks like the Great Hall. It actually looks just like the Great Hall with the tall windows and everything. So it's pretty cool. It's going to be a lot of fun. Something else, something else interesting. Um, Andrew and I discussed this a few days ago. Since that's the day the movie comes out, we were thinking perhaps after we get done doing the workshop, doing the podcast, maybe we could go see the movie with all of you. I mean, there's nothing set in stone, but... Well, no, they're having a movie premiere there. Are they really? I just made this stuff up. That's pretty cool. We hadn't talked about that. (laughs) I know, I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, yeah, so they're going to have a movie premiere there, so we'll go to that. Yeah. so, if anyone's interested, we, if everyone, if anyone is interested, we encourage you to visit enlightening2007.org for more information. It's going to be a great event. There's going to be lots of uh, Harry Potter uh, discussion going on. There's also going to be a workshop hosted by Ben, Jamie, and I about how to create your own podcast. We have 30 people signed up for that right now, so uh, we look forward to meeting all of them. And we're going to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how we make MuggleCast, so it's going to be a lot of fun. What's the website? Enlightening2007.org. At the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, there's actually photos on my Flickr. I'm not going to link to them, but if anyone wants to check those out, andrewsims.com. <clears throat> anyway, we have a few emails now to get to this week, and then we'll get on to our main discussion. Mike, you want to read the first one? Sure. The first one's from Sarah15 from Tennessee. She's writing in about Bertha Jorkin. She says, in episode 73, you said that Bertha went missing in Romania. She actually went missing in Albania. That's where Voldemort's hiding place was before he had a body. I hope you have a very hairy day. Sorry. Thanks for clearing that up for us, Sarah. All right, the next one. Savannah, 15, from Ellicott City, Maryland, writes about Crumb's nationality. Hey, MuggleCasters, I couldn't help but noticing that in MuggleCast episode 73, you kept saying that Crumb was Romanian, but he is part of the Bulgarian Quidditch team, making me think that he is the most likely Bulgarian. Just wanted to point this out. I love your show. Keep up the good work. So All I guess right, Romania guys, is just everything. Just you guys, you guys have struck gold. Romania... Romania is everything, but this time it actually shares a border with Bulgaria. So you guys are in luck. Uh, so sorry about that. We just have worse in love with Romania, I guess. We were we were thinking on our feet with that discussion. We had to, um, yeah, we weren't on top of our Bulgarian game, if you know what I'm saying. Janelle Haney yeah. writes from from San, San Francisco Bay, California, about ep- episode 73, Finding the Horcruxes per book. Hello, first of all, I'd like to express my deep appreciation for you all. It is your podcast that keeps me sane during my long commute to school on BART. On the topic of finding a horcrux in each book, has anyone brought up the short scene in Sorcerer's Stone in which Harry first walks into Ollivander's in which a single wand lay on the faded purple cushion in the dusty window? Page 82 of the U.S. Hardback. Thank you for Ooh, everything. Very interesting. And by the way, many, a lot of people sent this in um, just assuming that, that that's Ravenclaw's wand. That's very interesting. I kind of like that. But why, why would it be Ravenclaw's? Because you need something from Ravenclaw, right, Micah? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe just to play devil's advocate, maybe it was just a wand that they were featuring, like, on sale now, hey. Yeah, but, well, the, um, J.K. Rowling doesn't really, when she 
draws attention to something like that. You know what I mean? It's not. It's usually the, it's significant. She's not going to draw attention to a special wand on sale. I don't think that's true. Hmm. And that's true. If you think of the main purpose of wands as being academic, kind of, as in furthering your study of magic and stuff like that, it would be really cool if Ollivander had had you know uh, Ravenclaw's wand, and if that were the one on display. Uh, that would just kind of be cool because you know people might not know it, and I'm sure he probably wouldn't you know put a plaque saying Ravenclaw's wand just in case people know about Horcruxes or are looking for it. But you know it would be kind of cool if that turned out to be a Horcrux. But very interesting. Thank you, Janelle. Mitch from Orange County writes about the Horcruxes again. I sent you a voicemail earlier, but I wanted to go into more detail than I could in a 30-second message. J.K. Rowling has said many times that Dumbledore is never far off from the mark. I think that means we can take 95% of what he has as fact and true. I therefore extend this to his thought on the Horcruxes. Dumbledore says that Voldemort split his soul into seven parts. It is logical to presume that the parts are as follows. 1. The Diary. 2. The Ring. 3. The Locket. 4. Nagini. 5. Unknown. 6. Unknown. And 7th is still in Voldemort as he needs to live. Numbers 1, 2, and 7 are all gone. Number one was destroyed by Harry. Number two was destroyed by Albus. Number seven was destroyed the night Harry tried to kill Voldemort. That leaves the other four way. Horcruxes remaining. That's what I mean. Voldemort tried to kill Harry. <laughs> that leaves four Horcruxes remaining. The Locket, Nagini, and two unknowns. Why make a Horcrux so that it can be used to return to life? We know that he, he has indeed returned. Wouldn't this have required him to use one of the Horcruxes? I therefore think that only three remain. That would be one, the locket of Grimwald Place, two, Nagini, and three, an unknown item. Albus has told Harry about Nagini. I think he'll learn f- about the locket from Creature. That means there's only one left for him to figure out. What do you all think about this? I really hope you use this on your show. This is something that's been festering in my mind ever since Half-Blood Prince came out, and I don't recall you ever looking at it from this angle. Thanks, and I look forward to hearing your answer. Mitch. Micah, what do you think about all the Horcruxes? Do you think that there's only there's only one unknown, or are there two unknowns? I mean, I would only bank on the ones that we know 100%, like the Diary of the Ring, uh, the Locket, and then the Cup, we know for sure. I don't see him mentioning that in there at all, did he? No, he didn't. No. When he lists them, and I mean, Dumbledore seemed pretty certain, and we had that flashback scene with uh, Hepzibah Smith, so... I just think that what he's trying to get at is maybe there's one that's already been used that we don't know about, um, going back to Goblet of Fire when he was Well, I think reborn. he's talking about, yeah, that one, that he had to use that one. Because how does he come back to life without latching onto one of his Horcruxes? So was something used that we don't know about, that we didn't pay any attention to? Well, would he have had to use another Horcrux to come back to life? I mean, I was under the impression that that was the, um, the bit of soul that was... You know that that was without a body for the longest time was in coral and then later got you know this little crumpled baby body. The spell or the potion they they brewed with a uh, worm tail involving the bl- bones of the father, uh, blood of a servant, and you know hand of a servant giving willing to whatever it was. I th- I just got the impression that that was just you know the spell that or the potion that gave him a full corporal body like a full. Like, that's what did it. I don't think there was a Horcrux involved. I think that potion was just strong enough. Well, doesn't he? He still has to have a bit of soul, though. Like, what do you mean? Because when Harry killed... When the, the curse rebounded and he got killed that night, 
that piece of soul was gone, right? No, it so, wasn't gone. That that piece of soul became the Voldemort that was in exile for no, no, how, 10, no, no, 13 no, no, years. no. Otherwise, then Voldemort couldn't be killed. Period. Right. Yeah, Ben is right. What so do, it has to. So he'd have to use. He would have had to use another piece of soul. Yeah. The only reason why he was still alive is because other pieces of soul were holding him to. Well, no. The fact that he had six or seven Horcruxes at that time was enough to keep his the soul that was in his body alive. I don't no. think the soul that was in his body ever died. Why wouldn't it? Because that 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 part of Voldemort was the Voldemort that was not in any other Horcrux. That part of Voldemort, you know, are you saying that he, you know, the mo- the minute uh, he was killed by the cursor banding, uh, you know, Vol- Vol- another piece of Voldemort's soul popped out of the uh, Hepzibah Smith's cup and just flew around for ten years in Albania? What's so what's so out there about that? Well, no, I just, I was under the impression that, I mean, that's it. I was just under the impression that the part in Voldemort's body was was the one that was, you know. Well, I just don't know uh, how he could survive. I mean, if the killing curse can't destroy him. Well, that's him, the whole point. Why right, would he the, the killing curse, the made, killing curse can't do it. But the only reason he survived was because of the Horcruxes. Well, the existence of the Horcruxes. It doesn't say anything about he had to revert to the Horcruxes to well, do it. Well, then what point was there to, to split your soul? Because if you split it in seven equal parts, you have something really cool going for you. Yeah, but you have to use those pieces of soul if you die. Right, but having the pieces of soul as 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 a backup or something, I mean, we don't know because Voldemort, we don't know if he achieved the number seven. We don't know if having them, because the whole point you got to remember about Horcruxes, about splitting your soul, is to keep them safe. And also ensure like immortality. So if you have a certain, I mean, it would, it makes sense both ways. But it just makes sense to me that he didn't die that night. He lost his body and became this shriveled up. He doesn't even know what he was. I mean, if you if you read the graves graveyard scene in in book four, he talks all about this. He was he was less than nothing, but he was still alive. He Micah, was just without Micah, a body. Micah. What do you think? Uh, just going off of what Eric said, I think his soul left his body that night and it sort of wandered around. But my point with Goblet of Fire was that I thought no spell, no potion could sort of reawaken the dead, but I guess Voldemort wasn't really dead in that sense. No, he wasn't dead at all. I'm just having a hard time believing that the potion was what brought him back to life. I thought in order for him to come back to life, he would need to reattached to one of his horcruxes. He wasn't dead. And the other thing, too, is the horcruxes are just pieces of soul. Horcruxes have nothing to do with a body. He went, he needed a body, and somehow he had gotten that little, you know, baby's crumbled up, you know, carcass-type body, uh, but he was still, he was alive at the time when Wormtail put him into the into the tub. He just needed, I mean, he, he was alive. He just had a little bit of a body, and he needed a better body, so he, he turned his, you know, he created created his body. That's what that ceremony was for. That potion was for uh, the blood of his, or the bones of his father, so that he would look, he would get his own gene structure back into it, and then Harry's, uh, the immunity to Harry's uh, by using his blood, and then, you know, the, the thing of a servant. I think that was a dark spell to give him a body, but he was alive. It wasn't necessarily a thing that brought him back to life. It just gave him a full male Ralph Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes, Rafe Fiennes body. Sexy body, Ray Fiennes. I agree with that. If you want to look like I Ray Fiennes, know what, what the purpose of making the Horcruxes would be if those are the steps that he took to ensure his immortality. 
So he would have had to lost a piece of soul that night. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense for him to make the Horcruxes. Well, no, it would, Ben, because if um, because if you were to do that again, if you were to try and kill Voldemort as he is now, uh, the existence of the other Horcruxes would keep his soul alive. You would Why? you would hurt you again. You would kill his body, but because he has until you got rid of all of the other Horcruxes, of all the little encapsulated pieces of soul. But you'd have to soul. use one of them, though. That's the thing. You'd have to use one of those Horcruxes. Well, I kind of uh, see what you're saying, but I, you know, I just don't... Like, that I'm, piece of soul would no longer... It's That's the one that he's using now. If that makes any sense. I, I'm guessing what it is is that in order to kill a Horcrux, you have to specifically do something to the Horcrux. So, in the case of her- the spell rebounding on Voldemort, because those steps weren't taken... That piece of the soul wasn't destroyed. No, 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 no. He wasn't. Once you use the hor, okay, the horcrux, a horcrux like an, is an, an inanimate object. Okay, it could be my shoe. Okay, there wasn't a shoe that needed to be destroyed inside Voldemort. Voldemort was already used that horcrux. Yeah, you know but I, I don't mean? think you mean he already he already had a piece of soul in him. You didn't have to take any steps to destroy the soul. Destroying the soul is itself, but like destroying a horcrux as an inanimate object is different than destroying a human being's soul. A soul that's actually possessing a person, as opposed to a piece of soul that's possessing my shoe. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but I, I don't. No, but no, but I don't. What I'm saying is, I don't think that they're used like you're thinking. I don't think it's sort of like a get out of jail free card where you know you die once and you have to give you know. They have to throw in the card because then you could exactly. just try and kill Voldemort seven times and exactly. and then he would die. No, no, you wouldn't. No, because yeah, because every time he died, he would have to use a Horcrux, and then there would be none left, and he would die. But you couldn't kill him seven times. Well, you could cast a Cadaver in his general direction. Okay, you'd have to use a Horcrux, otherwise it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Fans, fans, write in and agree with me here, because I don't think <laughs> I think I think I'm making sense. Yeah, but but yeah, but I think if you read what they say about Horcrux, is the Horcrux bound him to the earth, like. That's the only thing holding him, but they're not used up. That's the only when thing he dies. They're still there. They're just holding him there. Are you saying Voldemort has a huge flaw in his plan? Are you saying that if you could just if you just killed him seven times, he'd be he'd die? That's what but ben that, is that's implying. what Ben's lo- yeah. that Ben's trail of logic. Yeah, that, no. that's that's what if you follow the logic, that's what happens. Because if you use up a Horcrux every time you're killed. Uh, then Voldemort only, you know, somebody has to cast a Vada Kedavra and aim very well seven times for him to die. And that's a little bit easier than going around searching for these Horcruxes about Voldemort's past and the history of Hogwarts No, but it's not crap. as easy as just killing him seven times, though. That's no, admittedly, but that would be all you'd have to do. So, so why is Dumbledore sending Harry on this whole find the Horcruxes first thing? So you only have to kill him once? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Why else? Well, if you if he it would take him much longer to, to kill him seven times to find him and kill him seven times because every time you kill him he's going to go off somewhere else right and then you got to find him and over and over again. Whereas Dumbledore could barely get through one of uh, well well two of I should say because okay. he did the ring but the whole cave thing was just protection around one uh, Horcrux. Hold on a sec. Let's clarify things here. We're arguing over whether or not a Horcrux is used. Okay. Either guys. Okay, a Horcrux is actually, do you use the Horcruxes, or does the Horcruxes just allow him to stay on the Earth? 
basically, right? Yeah. Did did Voldemort? Yeah. Was Voldemort's soul dis? Was the part of the Voldemort's soul that was in his body destroyed when he tried to kill Harry, or was it just thrown from his body? His body was destroyed when the house blew up, and his soul was the the soul that was in Albania for thirteen years, finding Bertha Jorkins and all sorts of stuff, and the soul that came back to Hogwarts in the back of Coral's head. Well, should we just leave it at this, and then ask the fans what they think? Yeah, because I think it's futile. And then we'll maybe we'll we'll I'm sure we'll we'll (laughs) get proven about it more next week. Well, right, that too. So uh, email your thoughts into MuggleCast at staff.muggle.com. That concludes uh, today's debate. Now we're going to move on to our main discussion this week. Does Voldemort deserve deserve to die? And, uh, Ben, you put this one together for us. Yeah. Well, see, throughout the books, the thing that Voldemort fears most is death. Like, you hear him talking about, there's nothing worse than death, Dumbledore, and all those things. So, if... Is that your your Voldemort impression? Well, I think we've interviewed Voldemort next week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The scariest person on a Harry Potter podcast. Um, um, So, my question is, if if Harry is given the opportunity... Should he give Voldemort what he fears most? Should he kill Voldemort? Why not? <laughs> well, Dumbledore says over and over again, tries to remind Tom Riddle, Voldemort, that there are things far worse than death. So, do you think that Voldemort is always going to operate? Do you think that it'll always be that death is his greatest fear? Or do you think there'll be things that he'll finally figure out that there are things worse than death? I think he's lost too much to change his mind and actually go with what Dumbledore would think. I mean, he, what, what's he got to live for at this point? Killing Harry. Yeah, but what is what do you think is worse than death? Well, many people didn't. Wasn't it even said on MuggleCast that he should just become a Muggle janitor and clean a bunch of <laughs> toilets or something for no, the no, rest no. of eternity. I think I've said this like way back, but I think you look at Harry and the life that he's lived, and to him, living that life may be worse than dying because if he dies, he's reunited with everyone that that he's really loved his parents Sirius Dumbledore I would think losing Harry losing his friends would be worse to him than death because he knows what he has to do he, he has to kill Voldemort and he knows what kind of risk he's taking but losing Ron or Hermione would- right but is there, is there something worse than death for Voldemort um, I would think I would think he were, would be he would be implying the condition of Voldemort's soul in the sense of you know when he dies, there's going. Assumably, there's more than meets the eye. It's not just death, and what he's doing on Earth at the moment is destroying any chance of him ever, you know, going beyond death. Well, I'm not, not only seeing that, but for example, if Voldemort was able, what had his magic taken away, would that? Would yeah. that be worse yeah. than him? He, for he death? would still be a troublemaker, though. Is the other thing. I mean, the thing about Voldemort—he's so against dying. Yeah, I'd like to teach him a lesson. Say, hey, you know, this is actually what's worse than death—worse than death being a muggle. <laughs> but um, you know, Voldemort's the kind of person where, as long as he has arms and legs, he will, uh, you know, create destruction. If that's an oxymoron, but uh, he he will he will be reckless and restless, and he will uh, always. You know, Voldemort's the kind of person who has to die because if you just turn him into you know, unless you put him in the middle of a mountain or something for all eternity, you know, he's gonna find a way to get out. You he does have to die. Well, that's the thing. What what would killing him really accomplish, though? 
Uh, no more of him, not even in the most smallest fragment of soul. And, and no safety more... and peace. Only, only yeah. safety and peace for, for you know, the whole Wizarding world and but Muggle world. But do you really think that's true, though? That's... Do you really think that's no, true? No, I don't think that's true. If, I think there'll always we, be somebody. We, yeah, for example, if we killed uh, Osama bin Laden, would there, wouldn't there still be hatred towards the U.S.? Yeah, there's, there's always someone to fill in their spot, yeah. No, you're right. Evil, evil will still be okay. I said safety and peace, not go, not lack of evil. I mean, evil will always be there. Well, the safety and peace implies lack of evil. Oh, okay, okay. But lack of Voldemort is the biggest piece of evil we've got in the Harry Potter series. So we can assume he's the worst thing that's going on in the world right then and there in that reality. When Voldemort thinks that death is the worst thing. Is it is the worst thing to happen to himself, or is it the worst thing to happen to anyone? To him. Well, well to himself, him, it's yeah. But he also tells Dumbledore there's nothing worse than death. So Right. Okay. So, That's what I was going to say, though. Coming from Dumbledore, he believes, personally, that there are things worse than death, whereas Voldemort may not necessarily see it that way. What do you think would be worse to Voldemort? Death of his Death Eaters, or death himself to without himself? Doubt, yeah. Himself, absolutely. Um, Himself. I mean, because if he loses his army... He'll, he'll try to start over. I mean... No, no, no. Well, remember, Dumbledore said, yeah, Dumbledore said Voldemort doesn't even have an army. I mean, technically he does, but Voldemort operates alone. But he operates he by has. fear. The only reason those people are with him is because they'll be killed. Uh, yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is if, if his if his, uh, if his Death Eaters are gone, yeah, he'd be uh, hurting a little bit as far as, uh, you know, power or limit of power, you know, wrath... But um, Voldemort operates alone anyway. Voldemort does, you know, all of his secret plans and stuff are all his own to begin with, and it wouldn't be too much. He wouldn't be unable to function. He, he, you're not going to cripple Voldemort by killing his Death Eaters. You have to go after him. And he doesn't. He doesn't put a value in his Death Eaters. Yeah, it's I true. Mean, he he never truly appreciates them for what they are. So or he, trusts them or likes them exactly. Or so, um, something else. Do you think that Harry could actually kill Voldemort? I mean, Harry seems to be a compassionate person. He can't perform an unforgivable curse. He knows that he like he knew that he saw how Voldemort grew up in the orphanage and things like that. And in Half Blood Prince, Voldemort, I mean, Dumbledore actually asked Harry, "Are you feeling sorry for Tom Riddle because of what happened to him?" And you know, there's always the emphasis of choices in the series, but Harry seems to know that if he was placed in those same circumstances, you know, would he could he have made similar choices. So, do you think that he would actually kill Voldemort? What's a good question, Ben? Because of because of the emphasis on choices and then the whole prophecy thing dictates that he absolutely has no choice, that one has to kill the other. So it kind of like, you know, I, the whole introduction of the prophecy in book 5 startled me because of that. It's like, okay, so he doesn't have a choice or does he or what? But, but everyone but, agrees that he intends to right now. As it stands. Yeah, he intends yes. to. Yeah, Until he comes face-to-face. Face. Ben, do you think that's when he might... Yeah, that's when he might think. back out, really. I'm saying, like, I don't think he'll back coward. out, though. Because, yeah, but anytime he steps up to Voldemort, if he finds the way into Voldemort's lair, wherever or whatever that might be, and is actually standing with all Horcruxes destroyed, waiting to kill Voldemort, I really don't think he's going to get soft and say, oh, you know, you're a nice guy. Uh, let's be friends. Because, I mean, look at how many people, Dumbledore's series are all dead. His parents, everybody, the whole world is in ruins. Billions of people died at the hand of Voldemort. Yeah, Voldemort was, what, you know, an orphan 
So what? So was Harry. Harry had a bad life. He dealt with it. What do you guys you, think about the, things- the series going full circle? Harry comes face to face with Voldemort. Voldemort says, Harry says, I just can't do this. Turns his back. Voldemort casts a spell. It rebounds again. Bam. <laughs> kills him that time. <laughs> yeah. He kills himself. Yeah, no, but- I actually like that idea. Kind uh, of like you, weak, pathetic fool, and then he, yeah, that could ever, and then he blows it back. Wouldn't on that himself. be a very anticlimactic? Yeah, climatic. definitely. Yeah. Without, yeah. if yeah. I even finish saying the word climactic. Um, but I think what's going to drive Harry is his parents and Dumbledore, both and Sirius and Sirius, yeah, and pretty much the whole world. Yeah, but Voldemort didn't kill Sirius, and he didn't kill Dumbledore. Voldemort. No, but it was because yeah, of Voldemort. Voldemort planted the image that Sirius was, uh, you know, trapped in the Ministry. Voldemort it did it matter. all. Yeah, right, right. He, yeah, he caused right. Voldemort think, was behind everything. Without Voldemort, none of that would happen. The bigger question, though, is not is Harry going to want to, but can Harry actually do it? I don't think he can cast Avada Kedavra. Why okay, not? but if we're going to takes more than cast takes more than sheer hatred is. Well, it's not even just hatred. It's the it. helplessness. Harry is Harry, Harry's helpless because of the loss of all of his people. That I think if he concentrated on all the people that were killed, you know, who were close to him at the hand of Voldemort, he could cast Evada Kedavra. Not only that, but if we're going to assume that he can actually destroy Voldemort's Horcruxes, we should, you know, we should believe that he can kill Voldemort. Yeah. Especially going through all of that, and maybe well, that's different. If- though that's different. Killing, killing, uh, removing the piece of soul from an inanimate object is different than killing a person. Yeah, I know, but a lot of inanimate objects have the benefit that Voldemort does not, which is that they can be stowed away in a secret area. Voldemort's always active, and as a result of that, you always can find him if you look hard enough or for long enough. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's a lot different when you kill a person because you're actually taking the life out of someone. That's true, but going to find all the Horcrux is going to is going to take a lot of work. So, I mean, the whole time he's searching for those Horcruxes, he's, he's going to intend to kill Voldemort. And once he gets to that moment, yes, I agree that he might have a hard time looking him, looking Voldemort into the eyes, and actually casting Avada Kedavra on him. Well, he can't. He, can't he has to kill him some other way because of priori incantantum. So, that's true. We don't that's know true, what's yeah. up with Ollivander, though. Yeah, but what can Ollivander do, do about anything? that? Yeah. But, you know, we talked last week about the fact that Harry's blood's running through Voldemort. Do you think that's going to weaken him anyway? There must. Think there has to be something with it. Yeah, I mean, it, there's going to be something that... It's and not, let's not forget, Pettigrew still owes a life debt yep. to... Well, I think uh, J.K. Rowling said in the interview with Emerson and Melissa that uh, the when Her- when Voldemort excuse me when Dumbledore has the the gleam of triumph in his eye that is enormously significant and we all know that he got the gleam of triumph when Harry told him that Voldemort used his blood so that's definitely to me that's that's how he's gonna that has something to do with that something yeah it's pivotal yeah you kind of get the idea that even though he can touch Harry now skin to skin contact fandom uh, fanfic writers everywhere rejoice but um it might actually pack a, p- a more powerful punch as a result of that that and like oh by the way you by the way uh you know heir of slytherin you have gryffindor blood in you or something like that uh, or maybe something with love well harry has oh yeah well the, the fact that uh that, that's a good point ben because Harry's Harry's so you know receptive of love. Harry's blood should act like acid in Voldemort's veins, but it didn't so far. So 
I don't know. I know the way it's set up. It seems like Harry's just gonna say, "I love you" to Voldemort, and he's gonna <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna collapse. No, I cannot be loved. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird though? Like if if he he like sent him a Valentine. No, not just that, but he found a way to give. This is gonna sound weird. It's it found a way to give Voldemort love, and that just that just killed him. <laughs> Eric's right. Give fan me some fi- love. Fanfic writers everywhere do rejoice. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, something else I think we need to talk about is: Do you think if Voldemort gets killed, okay, by Harry, would that make him a martyr of his people? In the Death Eaters' eyes, maybe. Well, yeah. Uh, mar- I, oh, yeah. But would they rally around it? Though? No, I don't think so. Because I think nobody's I, as he, cruel and as evil. And he's holding them together. They're just followers. I mean, yeah. without him, they're nothing. So once, yeah, they're just followers. There's no right. leaders. So once he gets knocked off, they're gonna fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's right. I mean, people like Bellatrix, whereas they might possess some leadership skills, they're not currently in themselves powerful enough to uh, get away from the Ministry and any powerful Witcher Wizard actually. Voldemort was was the big laps jump in power, just as Dumbledore was for the good people. And uh, but the good know. people are still able to manage the Death Eaters. I really think Harry's going to have to live with that. Once they kill, once he kills Voldemort, he's going to have to always have that breathing down his back. The fact that the Death Eaters could possibly regroup and and kill him. Well, that's what what, that's why he wanted to be an R. Um, so that he could continue fighting dark wizards, because that's kind of his thing. I mean, he obviously had to see himself doing that after Voldemort, in a post-Voldemort situation, because uh, otherwise he wouldn't be going after Death Eaters, he'd be going after Voldemort, the big cheese himself. Do you think that would change his mind on uh, becoming one? Like, say, once he kills Voldemort, he's really going to want to... I think we talked about I this think he's going to write a book, and then... Write a book. He's going to write a book, and... Harry Potter yeah. is what will happen in... Future what has happened in the say. first? Yeah. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> who lived? Who died? Harry Potter. Who fell in love? Be on Oprah's yeah. book club. It'll be huge. Yeah, I, I personally think the Death Eaters could regroup and attempt to kill Harry, attempt to kill close uh, close friends of the Harry. Thing is they fell apart half back. time though. They fell apart the time before. They, they did. The time before, they fell apart. Some of them were in jail. Some of them were like, "Oh, I was cursed." You know, well, very few of them managed. I, well, Lucius Malfoy, very few managed to actually keep any strands of any social life at all. Um, and the thing is, too, even Draco. If you want to look at, I mean, oh, yeah, Draco's got well, Draco. his own group of like mini Death Eaters with Crab and Goyle. It's true. So. It's, it's wow. true. If they really, if they really were um, determined enough, but I think that's the that's the mindset of the follower. The Death Eaters are followers. They're not leaders, as I just said. Now, that that's what the Nazi, that's where the Nazism comes in, because you got to understand, Voldemort begrudged these these people. He uses fear to control them into into getting them to be Death Eaters. Um, so, you, know, you might say... Yeah, yeah. So, so this person uh, m- might hate Muggles for for no reason. I mean, Voldemort's just directing all their anger and fears. There's nothing genuine about their anger and fears. I mean, there might be a little bit, but not enough to actually make them like Voldemort's the evil one. Nobody else is that genuinely evil, except maybe Bellatrix because she's crazy. But like, so you know, I don't think they'd stay together enough to form some kind of faction that would be anything worthwhile to give anybody any trouble because none of them are Voldemort. But who's to say these close. people aren't going to die themselves? 
That's true. I think a few of them will die in the book. Oh, what, Everyone's always definitely. talking about oh the this big wigs character. too. See, yeah. like if say uh, say Bellatrix dies, say um, who else? Pettigrew dies. Not that he would be able to regroup. Lucius is going down. Yeah, and Draco. Hopefully at the same time. Okay. Well, should we? So I mean, did this stem from? Does Voldemort deserve to die? Yeah. Okay. Should we make that the poll on the uh, site this week? Well, it's already on MuggleNet, I think. Oh, Isn't it? is it? No. Well, let's look at the results. Currently on MuggleNet, 48% of the people answering the question, should Voldemort die, respond yes, because to him, there is nothing worse than death. 20% say no, because Dumbledore says there are worse things than death. Death. Uh, make him clean toilets as a muggle janitor. <laughs> Emerson. And then 31% say, I don't know, but whatever happens to him, he'd better be miserable. That's where the muggle janitor thing came in. Interesting. So so vote on the mugglenet.com poll, and uh, if those results are very skewed next week, we'll know it was because of our discussion. <clears throat> Moving along now, last week we talked about some uh, things that J.K. Rowling has said concerning the seventh book, and now we have a few more for everyone. We are going to start off with one uh, that was in the Emerson and Melissa interview back from July of 2005. Melissa asked Joe, are we going to see more of Umbridge? And Joe nods. Oh, oh Joe, Joe nods, and then Melissa says, you say that with an evil nod. And uh, Joe says, uh, yeah, it's just too much fun to torture her, not to have another little bit more before I finish. So, what do you guys think could happen in Book 7 with Umbridge? Maybe she's going to perhaps try to get involved or get in the way of what Harry's trying to do again, and uh, Harry's just going to completely cast some nasty spell on her. Any ideas? I don't think she'll try and and hinder Harry, especially because the Ministry has sort of changed their view towards him. Uh, Well, they've had to. She's been. I think the Ministry changed their view, but you know, not Joe says. She wants to have a little bit more fun torturing her. So, does that mean that Umbridge is going to try to do some things? That's what I would not be successful yeah. and end up in the forest again. Well, that's maybe not so much <laughs> the forest, but I was thinking that maybe she would just try to intervene because what, what else is going to get her tortured? Yeah, because <laughs> she says well, not to have a little. I would like more. to see Umbridge held accountable for sending the Death Eaters in the first place because that was just some mean bit of nasty. Dementors, yeah. <laughs> not Death Eaters. What did I say? Not Death Eaters. Oh, Dementors. I'm slipping with the D's. I apologize. Yeah, why didn't she get in trouble for that? That's a pretty big deal. Well, nobody knows. The only people who knew were in that room when she, uh, you know, admitted to that, and they're all students, and nobody would. I mean, I don't. Did uh, the ministry you know, was the whole trying ha- to hide it? Did did yeah? And Harry probably wouldn't have said that in his interview either with Rita about how um, dumb. Uh, how about how it was Umbridge who sent the Dementors? So I guess nobody knows. But I would like to see her held accountable for that because that was just absolutely insane. Who holds a grudge that much? I mean, she's like, all the other ministry people were doing nothing about it. I did something. So she acted of her own accord, and she's just going crazy. So she's going to... I don't think it's unlikely she'll get herself in trouble again. Could she be evil, though? I mean, I don't could see she her join the Death, the Death Eaters? Myself, I mean... I think she's too full of herself to... Yeah, she's just a... Yeah. L- little bit of a dictator type thing. Another part of the J.K. Rowling interview... Joe says, there's a theory this applies to detective novels and then Harry, which is not really a detective novel, but it feels like one sometimes. 
that you should not have romantic intrigue in a detective book. Dorothy L. Sayers, who is a queen of the genre, said, and then broke her own rule, but she said that there is no place for romance in a detective story except that it can be useful to camouflage other people's motives. That's true. It is a very useful trick. I've used that on Percy, and I've used that to a degree on Tonks in this book as a red herring. But having said that, I disagree in as much as mine are very character-driven books, and it's so important, therefore, that we see these characters fall in love, which is a necessary which is a necessary part of life. So, Micah, what do you make of this? That Harry Potter is in James Bond, so we don't have to worry about some woman who's trying to deceive him. Uh, I mean, I think that's what she was trying to say. And, you know, she's used sort of relationships in the series as she's seen fit. And they're not going to play a big part in the seventh book. They were there for book six, and it was uh, part of maturity, I think. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, you're writing about people. You should write about how they interact. It is a character-driven book. What Joe said about it's important to see these characters fall in love is a necessary part in life and stuff. But I think, yeah, I think Mike is right in in thinking that book six was the major hub of it. I mean, you know, everybody's gonna have to celebrate after Voldemort's dead. Maybe with Harry. Maybe without Harry. You know, whatever. But beyond that, I mean, there is Bill and Floor's wedding. I was just going to say, you're going to have the ultimate romance in book seven. It's true. It's true. (laughs) It's true. So you're going to get, you know, people will love, people will fall, people will martyr, people will... Might be crazy. You're right. And who's going to catch the uh, flower bouquet? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, I didn't write about that in Mugglenet.com's What Will Happen in Harry Potter book seven. No, we did not write about that in Mugglenet.com's What Will Happen in Harry Potter book seven. You should do a sequel. Who will catch the bouquet? <laughs> who lives? Who dies? And who will catch the bouquet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben, Ben, get uh, on that. Yeah, I, I want twenty five percent for the title. I'm all over that. It's <laughs> uh, good. It's good. Any other ideas? Can uh, you got any uh, speculation? How much romance there's going to be in book yeah. seven? Does anyone? Care? I don't think it's a main Seriously. focus no. in the book. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like next. Move on. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Uh, well, there's another interview with JKR, and someone asked her, one of our connections, one of our internet correspondents wondered if Snape is going to fall in love. And J.K. Rowling says, yeah, who on earth would want Snape in love with them? This is a very horrible idea. Mm. And then the uh, person who's asking the question responds, but you get an important kind of redemptive pattern to Snape. And J.K. Rowling says, it is, isn't it? I got, there's so much I wish I could say to you, and I can't because it'd ruin, I'd promise you, whoever asked that question, can I just say to you that I'm I'm slightly stunned that you've said that, um, and you'll find out why I'm so stunned if you read book seven, and that's all I'm going to say. That is very interesting to me, and this was back in 1999. And, you know, it's all these early quotes that have the most interesting information, if you ask me. So it leads me to think that she just wasn't as secret. I mean, if someone asked her that question now, what would she respond? I don't think she would say, look for it, you'll find out in book seven why you just brought up Snape falling in love, or someone falling in love with Snape. Well, the thing is, too, there's more to that here, uh, Do you, I think, isn't it? Is that, it looks like it's continuous, the following thing we have in the schedule about J.K.R., because she says... In book three, you're absolutely right. You find out a lot about Harry's father. Now, the important thing about Harry's mother, the really, really significant thing, you're going to find out in two parts. You'll find out a lot more about her in book five, 
Or you'll find out something very significant about her in book five, and you'll find out something incredibly important about her in book seven. But I can't tell you what those things are. I'm sorry, but yes, they you will find out more about her because they're both of them are very important in what Harry ends up having to do, end quote. That worries me. No, I think it blends and it worries me because of the Harry of the Snape Lily love thing triangle why does that worry you because about it being canon um you know there's like if snape wasn't because like lily where on one hand she thought snape because it, it makes me uncomfortable because of what we found about out about yeah, james I think they're separate but that's okay in 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 book five to snape and being very arrogant and worried harry like all that stuff was there for a reason but we don't know i, don't, I just don't know what it means what can possibly be coming about lily that she Loved Snape, or that she had a relationship, or you know, what's? Do we just skip over the Snape thing? No, Eric thought this. Well, was this is this is about Snape falling in love. The other one was oh, okay. about Snape falling in love. So, well, no, I think the other thing that he added is important. Um, was that he was wondering, would you kind of get a redemptive pattern to Snape? And then J.K. Rowling says, "I'm." Uh, what'd she say? Sorry. Um, she said she was stunned that he said that and that you'd find out why in book seven. Now, if she's stunned in a way that she couldn't believe he actually said that and this most ridiculous thing she's ever heard, no. or she's stunned because he may actually be right and Snape will be redeemed in book seven. Well, I don't think it was about the redemption, but she did say, slightly stunned you've said that. Um, but yeah, one of the one of them, you're absolutely right. You find out a lot about it. I, I, I don't know. Who would want Snape in love with him? That's a horrible idea. And then when he says about the redemptive pattern, she says, you know, whoever asked that question, I'm slightly stunned. You'll find out why if you read book seven. So it's like, was Snape in love is really the question he asked. The The redemptive pattern was just what he used to justify if Snape is going to fall in love or somebody's going to be in love with Snape. Well, my thing was, is she stunned because he's correct? Or stunned because it's absolutely... Or is she stunned because she knows that he's evil and there's no way that he could ever have any type of relationship or be redeemed? I think it's because of how close he was. Yeah, because the misdemeanor in which JK answers all her questions, she doesn't call... She doesn't consider any question to be stupid. She might say, yeah, you know, I don't really think that character is kind of, you know, really like that or anything like that. But she wouldn't say, oh my god, in love with Snape, let me go gag... Oh my gosh, you suggested Snape would be in, you know, because that's an insult to the person who asked the question. So, so do you, you guys are thinking that in book seven it's going to come out that Snape was in love with Lily, or perhaps vice versa? Because when I read this, what I immediately assumed was that Snape was going to fall in love in book seven. Who? I don't know. But, uh, Maybe with Harry. Uh, oh, well, okay. Back in 1999, Joe was set on the fact that we're going to find out something about uh, we're going to find out about love involving Snape in Book Seven. So, some it must it must be a big part of the plot, right? If you're going to know seven years beforehand, this is going to be in Book Seven. Yeah, he's yeah. Right. It's on a little fact that you could throw in at a later point. So, uh, with that said, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, it doesn't seem like there's room in book seven for Snape to fall in love, and it certainly doesn't seem like there's anyone to fall in love with. Uh, and I think if he was in love previously, it was definitely a one-way thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no, know, Micah. There's, there's someone out there thing. for everyone. There's plenty of fish in the there sea. There is someone out there. For I mean, you know, got Ben, love, it's really not the easy thing. The only baggage you can bring 
Yep. It's <laughs> all that you can't leave behind. <laughs> but what about the Lily thing, though? I don't remember ever learning anything about her in Book 5. I'm no guarantee it's going to be obvious. Well, the only time we saw her in Book 5 was in the past. If I remember correctly, the only time we heard about Lily was in the past when she when we found out that she really hated James or hated how hated uh James picking on Snape. Oh, that's true. I mean that's what that's what we really So you're saying her. the big thing could be that she had a soft spot for him. Well, not necessarily a soft spot, but that she didn't like James enough so that Harry, you know, was forced to risk going into the fire to ask Lupin and Sirius about it. Because she really, you know, was very upset with him. I actually have a fan art depiction uh, by a woman named V of this uh, sitting next to me in a frame about Lily uh, coming up to James with this utmost look of revulsion, and and because of what she just did, what he just did to Snape. So I mean, that's what we found out. About. I mean, that's the only time I remember about Lily in book five. In but book six. How does that relate to what Harry's going to end up having to do, which is what she's... I don't know. That's the question. I mean, but she said you find out about Lily in two parts, in one in book five and one in book seven. But I was under the impression she also said we find out about her in book six, and everybody was questioning, well, was she just good at potions? I mean, what did we learn in book six either? This whole Lily thing is amazingly... Confusing. ...subtle (laughs) and and confusing. It's 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 bad. It's so just, I mean, it could either it does. Do you think it could involve? It's either going to involve Lily's eyes or Snape. And the Lily's eyes thing, we don't know what that has to do with either. Well, that's what I'm saying. So maybe that could be the big revelation. I think that has more significance than her being in love with Snape, unless Probably maybe true. it played a role in you know Godric's Hollow or something. I don't know. Well, Snape. Some people say that's why they're Snape begged Voldemort to pardon Lily because he was in love with her. Ah, right, right. Someone- right, yeah, yeah, there's that possibility. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. Okay, and then one last thing we're going to talk about here, something uh, Alfonso Cuarón, the director of the Prisoner of Azkaban film, said. We needed a place where the kids could see the execution of Buckbeak, and we thought about having a graveyard, and we consulted Joe about it, and she said, no, the graveyard is not there. And I said, Why? And then she gave me the whole explanation of why the graveyard cannot be there, because it's in a different place of the castle, because it's going to play, dot, 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 and she knows her thing. She knows exactly what's going to happen later. So, I don't know. I mean, book four came out, what, that was 2001, right? Yeah. Okay, so that doesn't have anything to do with it. Book four came out in 2000, actually. Book four came out in 2003. I know. Yeah, book four. 2000. 2000. So, so the Sorry. point is, the point is not, it's actually subtle here because it's to be confused. See, book four was already out. So Alfonso wouldn't have voiced his concern if, if he didn't, I mean, he already knew about the, the fact that something happens in a graveyard, but he's talking specifically about a graveyard. On a Hogwarts castle. grass, right. On, on a Hogwarts grass, right. So he said that, she said that the graveyard is somewhere else in the castle. Did she say that in so many words? Well, I don't know. This could be Alfonso's take on it, right. but because it's in a different place at the castle, is what, that's why this quote is... I mean, I just can't believe that he wanted to put a freaking graveyard 
to, to kill no to kill Buckbeak. It's bad enough he arranged the whole freaking movie right differently and 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 cuts out the major subplots. He wants to kill Buckbeak in a graveyard. Well, he's a, he's he a he died in the pumpkin person, patch right? in the back of Hagrid's house. He wants to be. How, how could you change that? Let's make a different. graveyard here. Maybe some more shrunken heads can be on the tombstones. <laughs> what? <laughs> I apologize. I'm going to control myself. I said I've refined he my views. He wanted it to be a different. You know, view. I don't know if it's that New Zealand air getting to you or what, but just. <laughs> I, I don't, well, you know, I gotta say though, New Zealand air is very, very clean. Is it? I can breathe. I'm breathing, and it's just <laughs> as opposed to you guys not breathing. You weren't breathing. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's true. And I, 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 I'm, everybody, I tell that to. I say, okay, it's not smoggy in Pennsylvania. It's Try just a matter. Can you scoop me a York bottle thing. of the air and mail it back here? And I'll, yeah, you I'll want me to? It. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Okay. What um? So do you think maybe it could have to, something to do with uh, Dumbledore's burial? That's what I thought. That's the connection I made because of because we saw the funeral right at the end of book six, but we don't know. Um, I was in uh, Dumbledore's tomb was not in the graveyard at the funeral. Like the whole I would oh, call we it had that whole discussion, but we came to the conclusion that it was there. That it was in a f- graveyard. No, that his tomb was actually there. Weren't we talking about? Dumbledore not actually being in the tomb. Never mind. Go ahead, Micah. No, I was going to say, could the founders be buried there somewhere? Like, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, there's got to be like, some place of remembrance on maybe past, past headmasters. Head, yeah, because it's not like no past headmaster had a body in, to bury. I mean, right. that's what's questionable, because it's not like, at Dumbledore's funeral, it's not saying it's in this graveyard where all the other you know people were, were buried. I, where Dumbledore's tomb was at his funeral was out on on grounds that were open enough for all the people to come and see and to sit and have room. So I'm wondering if Dumbledore's tomb will be moved from where it was at rest for his funeral to the graveyard, this presumable alleged graveyard on the school grounds. But this also means that we're going to have to see it, too. Well, right. So... And so is Harry going back to Hogwarts? Oh. Hmm. To see the graveyard, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then again, we're we're trusting what Alfonso said. He could have been paraphrasing what Joe was actually it's saying. It's true. So. He could have gotten an incorrect impression. But it, no, but it wouldn't have went. It wouldn't have went on the DVD if J.K. Rowling didn't want it to. I'm sure she know. reviewed it. Maybe. But um, you know what? I think it would be cool if to find Ravenclaw's Horcrux, you got to follow a complex series of of uh, clues based on the graveyard. And the tombstones and the shape of things. But that's the little Da Vinci Code, I guess. Okay, well, I think that wraps up uh, that discussion. Maybe we'll get some more quotes next week. We'll do a three-part series. That sounds like fun, right? Right. Ooh, three parts. Yay. We have a few more emails now. The first one is from Lana, 14, of Nebraska. She writes, Hey, guys and Laura, in J.K. Rowling's dream about Harry Potter, she said she, such Harry, was trying to find a horcrux in a long hall that wasn't the Great Hall. Do you think this Do you think this could have been in the hall in the orphanage Voldemort grew up in or in the old Riddle House where Tom Riddle Sr. lived? I love the show, Laura, Micah. You guys are my favorites, but I love you all. P.S. Andrew, you're the best. You're better than Lauren, Mike. Oh, yeah, minus the PS. I don't, I don't see that there. Well, it's, it was in a separate email to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think when Harry or when J.K. Rowling is having these dreams, when you dream, don't you mash your thoughts together? Yeah, we talked about this. Like, yeah, she, she, yeah. she could have, uh, she could have been upset about. I don't know, the paper boy could have thrown and broken a window or something, and that could have affected the dream. You know. 
No, I'm serious. Uh, like, if no, she's I talking about lots saying. of windows, do we even know? I mean, I want to trust J.K. on this, but who has dreams like this? Honestly, like, I mean, she made this big deal that it, she was actually having dreams. Because we it was were talking her first about dream. How, wow, it really must be affecting Harry. her. Yeah, but that's so weird. Why would she be having a dream? Like, I, I almost don't want to trust that she like had this dream because it's so weird about Horcruxes and well, she's not making. Th- there's it no up. way we can possibly analyze it because yeah but she knows she she not only knows what horcruxes are used for and all about them but what they could have been used for as well like when she was trying to decide what was going to happen so she's got like so many i want to say alternate harry potter realities in her mind just from what she could have done or was going to do originally then didn't that how do we even judge how that relates to anything i mean she put it on her site so it's got to be yeah, it's just yeah, that's a way of, what I was going to say. It's on the site, and she's very selective about what she tells the fans. So I doubt it's just something that's irrelevant. We have another email now, Trisha Twenty of Canada, North Bay, Ontario, Canada. She writes, "I just wanted to add something to your segment on Dumbledore's gleam of triumph from the seventy-third Mugglecast. I think the reason Dumbledore had a gleam of triumph is because he knows that Harry's blood will make Voldemort continuously weaker. Think about it. Harry is so much love running through his veins, and Voldemort can't have that. Even when he possessed Harry for a minute at the Ministry, it caused him pain for that short period of time. Don't you think that having Harry's blood in his veins would continuously make him weaker? In my opinion, that's why Dumbledore had a gleam of triumph. Harry has already made it easier to defeat Voldemort, and it's all his fault. Thanks for doing the podcast. I love them. I like that, Trisha. We just said that on this episode, too. We came to that conclusion about Harry's blood being, you know, acid to Voldemort's veins. But the concern is that it hasn't hurt him so far. But, I mean, the fact is, the whole blood of the enemy thing, Voldemort did that so that he could touch Harry's skin, but again... You know, it hasn't really... It could have a bad side to it. We're fairly sure that it's going to make him weaker in some way. I mean, it's a decent theory. It's just... It's such... You know... You can come up with any number of explanations to how it's going to make him weaker. You know? Yeah, it's kind of funny, though, that there were already a little bit of similarities between Harry and Voldemort, and then Voldemort had to go and make that other one. Like, make another one, forge another one. It wasn't really a smart idea. That just kind of fits Voldemort's personality. Yeah, he wanted to be I, able to touch Harry so that he could do physical harm to him. Um, not thinking about the repercussions of what his soul or body might, might feel. Caitlin, 15 of Philadelphia, has another idea about the gleam of triumph. She writes, after hearing your discussion about the gleam in Dumbledore's eyes, I started started thinking about life debts. Harry, in a way, saved Voldemort's life when his blood was used to restore him to his previous self. Could the gleam of triumph be because now Voldemort is indebted to Harry? Uh, I don't think that. I don't think so. Why not, Kevin? He didn't really save his life. He sort of did. He needed Harry's blood. He he created a body for him, but he didn't save his life by any means. He didn't willingly do it. I think that's something... You know, he willingly saved Pettigrew. He didn't willingly offer his blood to him. That's another thing as well, yeah. But that's not... I mean, that's what we were saying. I mean, if the blood has other problems that are going to cause problems for Voldemort... Yeah, I I think that's what it is. I don't think it's a debt, though. I don't think... Yeah. It's not a life right? because Harry didn't willingly say, okay, here, have this. Uh, I know just the uh, thing, just the ingredient that will make this recipe uh, 
Perfecto. Elena Bryant, 19, of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, writes about Voldemort and the Brother Wands question that Laura brought up last week. Laura was asking why Brother Wands can't fight each other and what might happen now that Voldemort has Harry's bloods running through his veins in MuggleCast 73. Maybe since Voldemort is alive because of Harry's life-giving blood running through his veins, Voldemort cannot kill Harry without killing himself. If Harry dies, could the blood in, in Voldemort's veins die as well and kill Voldemort in the process? Well, if you're thinking realistically, like if someone donates blood and then they die, <laughs> the the the, uh, the person who received the blood isn't dead. Like, what did Harry's like? Does what did Harry's blood okay, have? It's interesting. In it? We yeah, said what does Harry's blood have in it, or 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 does Voldemort have Harry's specific blood? Like, does does Voldemort have Harry's like say DNA type H? In, in, yeah, he has all the type, genetic type H, exactly. If it's the genetic, it, yeah, all the genetic connotations like in their abnormalities. But if if Harry's like O negative, is Voldemort now O negative, or or like if 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 Voldemort cuts himself falling onto to a skylight breaking into a house, will Harry get framed for it? You, you know exactly how close is their blood. I mean, and and does it have something where if Harry dies, Voldemort's gonna die? Do, I think that's cool. Do wizards and witches have a completely different blood? Like, no, they're I humans. Mean, I mean, yeah, they are. They're human, human but, but why they, wasn't it, it a problem if, like, you know, say Harry was type A and Voldemort was type O, positive or whatever? Because it's magic. Uh, well, exactly. <laughs> the thing, so yeah, saying, the things many people do is many of these series. And especially, like, even with the Underworld series, there's, like, a gene and a genetic, like, the magic gene or something like that that some people have, like... But what we found out is that things with, like, squibs and and, and other things about... You know, there's no way to predict it. Now that I think uh, about it, though... Have you guys donated blood before? And I told this story on the show before. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't because I went to England. There's actually a spot that said if you were a wizard or witch, you couldn't donate either. That <laughs> might explain it. That's part of the exclusion criteria. Yes, exactly. But actually, going off what you said, I mean, that's kind of a question comparing it to us. Like, if I donated blood or somebody donates blood and they die, does that mean the person they gave the blood to is going to die? Oh, well, you know obviously I mean? not. Yeah, but I think the reason why they're creating this scenario is that it's not as easy as just you giving blood to someone because his body was created out of that blood. So... Is that body now bringing on traits of Harry, essentially? I don't know. It's a good question. Which, I, I mean, it, it sort of well, makes sense. One of Harry's because... traits is to love that he inherited from his mother, isn't it? So, And Voldemort's not really showing any signs of love. So, But does the body love soul. or does the soul love? I think everybody loves... <laughs> everybody loves somebody sometimes. Oh, boy. Hey, Eric, I got a crackpot theory for you this week. Oh great! Yeah, been been wanting one of these. This comes, this comes from Mabel, sixteen of Sydney. Hello, She's Mabel. Close. If you're able, she says. Although I think this is completely insane, it'd be cool to hear Eric defending this. Okay, are you ready for your crackpot theory of the week? I am. Argus Filch is a spy in Hogwarts. Go in Hogwarts. What? A spy Argus in Filch Hogwarts? is a spy in Hogwarts. Stop wasting time. Go. No. Do you, okay, you said he's a spy on Hogwarts. In Hogwarts. I was, thought you were saying. In Hogwarts, yes. for in who? Hogwarts, or well, just a spy in for, Hogwarts? Yes. Uh, yeah, just okay. Just a well, spy. okay, he's part a spy. Of in Hogwarts, he's a spy. Well, I would assume yeah. for Voldemort yeah. because a spy wouldn't be spying for themselves. 
<laughs> well, I think Argus would. You know, he has Mrs. Norris who's stationed all over the uh, school. If somebody, you know, does something, either Mrs. Norris or Filch knows about it. Uh, this isn't just about troublemakers, but Filch seems to always want to know what's going on, uh, whether it be what the Weasley twins are doing for mischief, but... You know, I really don't know. He's got some really crazy practices about dungeons and hanging kids by shackles and stuff. But my main concern is that he does know all of the Hogwarts passageways, uh, except for, you know, a few that might be on the Marauder's map or Fred and George might have known. But he knows all the passageways. He can get from any point in the castle to another. uh, And he can pretty much see what's going on uh, second to Dumbledore, I would say. in in the castle, he put himself in the position as caretaker of the castle to know all that information. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's actually quite difficult if Voldemort were to want to say, okay, what's the best way to get into the trophy room? Um, you, you know, Filch could probably lead him there, or lead anybody there. Uh, she actually proved a couple points on like Snape being a, bo- uh, a spy and also Mrs. Fig being a spy. Uh, her arguments were Filch, like Mrs. Fig, is a squib, and like Fig, was looking over Harry. Could be looking after Draco. Uh, number two was Filch is somewhat friendly with Snape, and if Snape is evil, this would fit perfectly. Number three, it is mentioned that besides the Weasley twins, he knows the school better than anyone else. And number four, Fig has cats, as does Filch, so maybe there's some sort of connection there. Uh, but good, Eric. Well, th- yeah, squ- squibs and cats. I guess the cats are kind of their connection to the magical world, too. Because cats are kind of magical. And, yeah. Let's wrap this week up with a chicken soup for the Muggle Castle. Hey, Muggle Casters. I've got a chronic lung condition that makes it very difficult to breathe. And I spend a lot of time in and out of the hospital. Up until last year, my time there was spent doing crazy, was spent going crazy with nothing to do. Luckily, I discovered Muggle Cast, and that's all changed. I listen to every show over and over again while I'm in the hospital, and time seems to fly. You are all so hilarious. My nurses are so confused when they come to draw blood, and I'm cracking up. You guys, bar- you guys can make me laugh even when I can barely breathe. I was in the hospital again this week, and you guys made it so much better. Thanks so much for improving the quality of my life. I love MuggleCast. Annie from Chicago. Thank you, Annie, so much. That was very kind of you. We've been getting a lot of chicken soups lately from people all over the world and we enjoy reading them and we usually pick one a week here so if you're interested uh if you'd like to submit your chicken soup for the muggle castle how muggle cast has affected improved uh ruins uh destroyed change your, your life, life. change your life yeah <laughs> emails mugglecast and staff.mugglenet.com we're going to wrap up uh today's show with a p.o box update from ben shane okay folks Something interesting. MuggleCast is now a member of PETA. Someone signed us what? up, and I got a, I got a little membership thing in the PO box. For those of you who don't know, PETA is the the pet liberation organization, animal rights activists. So we got a bunch of stickers. Also, if you these say speciesism sucks, <laughs> then this one these say pigs are friends, not food, and has a picture of a pig on it. So cute. And then these last ones say, cut class, not frogs. Don't dissect. (laughs) And has a picture of a frog. So I thought that was kind of funny. So, yeah, email in if you signed us up for PETA because that's awesome. Okay, thanks to Katie Schneider who wrote us a nice little letter and included a big, another box of books. If you remember a few months ago, she sent us 
like a big box of books. And now she's in another one for Christmas. So thanks to Katie. Katie is from Maryland. So thank you for sending those in. Um, I got a card here from, who is this from? Sunny Christian, who sent in a Quiznos gift card for me. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we have a, we have a big stack of Christmas cards. I'll be getting those out to the rest of the Muggle Casters this this week. Um, Katie Farrell sent one for each of us. Uh, Jay Myers, Jessica and Simon Sim- Simone Stock, Judy Chapin, Jay Ritter, someone from Canada, Proma Kosla, Alicia Brokemeyer, Megan Townsend, and one. I, I came across a postcard in the stack of mail from someone clear from the Czech Republic, which is, I think is pretty wow. neat. It says, Ahoy, ahoy. I don't know how to say it. Ahoy from Prague. Pragu? Prague? Prague? <laughs> Jamie. How about Prague, which is Prague, in the Czech Republic? Jamie, Prague, today yeah, we listen- that's it. Prague. Ahoy from Prague, Mugglecasters. Jamie, today we listened to, okay, dance to and sang really loud every time we touch. Partly as a tribute, but mostly because we love it too. Then from Nashlandu, Nashlandanu, sorry, email and how to pronounce your name correctly. Oh, wait, wait, I think that's, I think that's Czech. I don't know. Her name's Leah, by the way. Sorry, that's not her name. Um, Leah's her name, and she's from all her Czech friends. She sent this, this postcard is clear from the Czech Republic. Then, let me pop this open real quick. Someone sent every Mugglecaster a Subway gift card. Thank you, Pammy. Mm, nice, thank thank you, you, Pammy, for sending us each a Subway gift card. How nice of you. There are Subways in New Zealand, so I do expect to really? get that card, Ben. Wow. Yes, there are. Um, we can't crazy. afford that kind of international... <laughs> oh, the international postage? How do you send Jamie's stuff, or don't you? You just wait till he shows up. No, we just don't. We don't. We don't. <laughs> and also, also, thanks to Calda Sweeney. For sending who's that? a Christmas card for each of us. Oh, that's cool. Well, that? Christmas. I want to know who signed us up for PETA. Yeah, so <laughs> thanks to everyone who sent us stuff. Um, yeah, I hey, had a real, big real, stack of mail here. So real quick, uh, we're just kidding when we say we don't mail the stuff to Jamie. <laughs> so yeah, by the way, we're just kidding. When we say I don't mail people's stuff. <laughs> ben, what is the PO box address? That is PO box two twenty three Mound Ridge, Kansas six seven one zero seven. Don't forget, there are also many other ways to contact us. Like if you're in the United States, you can call the MuggleCast voicemail to leave a comment, question, or comment or a question. Just uh, dial one two one eight twenty magic on your telephone. If you're in Australia, we got a handy number for you zero two eight double three five double six eight. Eric, can you call that locally? Uh, it's not local, but I, c- I can call it. Yeah, uh, if you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. Just remember to keep your uh, question under 30 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. And uh, on MuggleCast.com, you can also find a handy feedback form to contact any one of us or just email our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Also, a quick update on our Deathly Hollows Theory Contest. Uh, all of you better get your entries in soon because the deadline is... Is that to win a piece of Jamie's suitcase? Yeah, yeah. Because the deadline is February 4th, so you want to get those in as soon as possible if you want a piece of Jamie's suitcase. Also, don't forget to visit all of our community outlets. There's MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, even the fan listening forums. You can also dig us on dig.com and vote for us once a month on Podcast Alley. And rate and review us on Yahoo Podcast. We want to get the word out about the show, and the best way to do that is through you guys. So we thank you very much Tell all your friends. for your support. Tell all your friends. All right, so that wraps up today's show. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck. 
I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Mike Tannenbaum. We thank everyone for listening, and we'll see everyone next week for episode 75. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Or, or, or. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Say Snape dies. Actually, Lucius, um, didn't we just hear that Lucius was not going to be in book seven? What? Didn't, didn't no, that, Jason Isaac that was, that was Jason say, Isaac saying, I hope he makes it through or something like that. Yeah, but I thought he was told by J.K. No, that uh, don't he think, wasn't in book seven. Don't even start that. <laughs> don't, no, he didn't say that. I hope you're kidding. Why would he reveal that? Well, because he's stuck <laughs> in prison. <laughs> so? Well, he might well, maybe... He's, out of prison now, isn't he? I thought. No, I thought he was. I thought he was. He was in prison. He didn't escape. I thought they all broke out at the end of half. Yeah, they Prince. left Lucius there to rot, didn't they? Oh, did they? I, I don't know. They did. <laughs> Is Eric with his other theories? Yeah, better. Yeah, uh, but either way, no. Jason Isaacs did not. I hear from Joe oh that he was going to die. <laughs> you <laughs> say July. No, not die, but no, I heard he wasn't going to be in book seven, ben, though. Ben, I thought. What, what no, seriously, okay. You. Ben, stop freaking out. I'm going to Muggle Net right now. I'm going to check he that out. He didn't say that. Oh, my gosh. No, I thought he said that he no, wasn't going to be in wrong. book seven, and he really wanted to be in book seven. No, no. He wanted to make sure his character got enough. Oh, uh, airtime. Scenes in book yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Scenes in books. He wants. Like to, he was joking that he wants so to be in the So he can play the part film. in the movie. Yeah, yeah. How can I okay, you're, search you're wasting for time. Let's news topics? Move along here. Is there anything else to talk <laughs> in this discussion, Ben? Um, I think that's it. But.